You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler and AJ Vickery. We've got an amazing program today. Later on, we will be learning about the world's fastest internet. Imagine being able to download a thousand high-definition movies in one minute. Simply amazing. We'll also be uh, looking at uh, some rumors in the movie industry. Uh, rumors are basically saying that Amazon may purchase AMC, one of the world's largest theater chains. What does that mean for movies and content in general? Well, we'll be uh, talking with a uh, uh, journalist. His name is Enrique Dons from Forbes uh, about uh, what that uh, could mean. Also, uh, we will be uh, chatting about robots in hospitals uh, with our good friend Brian Jackson. But so much in the news uh, this uh, week, guys. Uh, we've talked a lot about Rome Mobility in the past. Uh, this is a company that had sims that uh, would allow you to go down in the U.S. and roam uh, down there, like phone calls and data for a lot cheaper. Uh, they unfortunately have uh, ceased operations uh, as of June 30th of this year. Kind of no big surprise there with travel basically stopped globally. Um, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate because it, it's always good to have options uh, beyond your carrier's uh, SIM uh, upgrades, uh, which, you know, depending on where you're going and how long you're staying, uh, the Rome option was always a compelling uh, deal for longer stays or even just quick trips to the States um, if you have a SIM card already. Yeah, I think they've kind of they found an interesting niche to fit into when the um, sort of mobile carriers really kind of were still trying to capitalize um, heavily on the cost of traveling with your phone and getting access to things like texts and calling and especially data. Uh, so they had a, they they fit into that well. Obviously, with the restriction on travel, that's a big blow to them. But I also think the mobile carriers are starting to really come out with some competitive offers now for people when they when they do travel. And I think there's still a far way. That, can, that they can go there. It's not far enough. It's still expensive to do any type of roaming down. Um, well, more so even internationally. Um, I think, what what is it, about eight bucks a day they're charging uh, for that? Um, yeah. it, it adds up very quickly, believe me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're still into the hundreds of uh, dollars uh, there. So if uh, you do have a roamability sim, uh, you know, as of June 30th, that will uh, stop working. Uh, and any unused data will be refunded uh, to customers with currently active plans. If you haven't activated uh, your SIM card yet, you can apply to get a refund uh, as well. Uh, also in the news, uh, this was pretty big uh, this week. BC Court has ruled that Huawei CFO's extradition proceedings will continue to the second phase. Uh, Ms. Meng uh, was, I think, hoping that uh, it would swing the other way, uh, but uh, the judge has ruled that... Uh, the uh, the extradition hearing can go forward. Any surprise? I think the pre-celebration was a bit <laughs> of a risky move there on her part. Um, she was seen earlier this week in the news uh, posing for pictures and kind of giving a thumbs up. Yeah, uh, we don't we don't quite know the context of that, but the assumption is is that could have been was, her birthday. Could have been, but why would you do that on the law court steps? <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it, it it seems to point that it was some kind of related to the the trial, but. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that uh, um, things went the way they did for her, but uh, I guess now we can f probably move on to the next phase and and get to some form of finality with this particular case. Also in the news uh, this week, uh, this was kind of uh, an interesting one. Uh, Nvidia 
They uh, make uh, graphics cards and high-end graphic processors or GPUs. They were able to recreate Pac-Man using artificial intelligence. Did you see this? Yeah, this is pretty awesome. And it's ironically 40 years after uh, its debut. I actually still remember the first time I saw a Pac-Man arcade machine in the wild when I was a kid visiting my grandma who was in a laundromat in the the small Quebec town that I was visiting my grandmother in. And that game has always been one of those go-to games that I have to play if I see one. And uh, it's kind of cool that uh, NVIDIA was able to figure out a way to recreate the game in artificial intelligence. So let me just explain that. Uh, They had a computer with artificial intelligence uh, basically watch 50,000 plays or episodes of Pac-Man going on. And they were, this computer was able to completely recreate the game without any code or anything, just using the pixels coming out of the game engine. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I, like I could have done it in 20,000. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you could. I mean, uh, apparently it wasn't perfect. The graphics weren't exact, but uh, it's an amazing a computer can actually recreate something like that uh, by just watching it now. So I'm interested to see how that uh, uh, goes on in the future. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, this is a must-listen-to uh, segment. We're going to be chatting uh, with a journalist from uh, Madrid, Spain. He writes for Forbes.com, uh, all about the rumor that Amazon could potentially purchase one of the biggest theater chains in the world. What does that mean for movies and creativity? Well, we'll explore that. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo and John Beeler, broadcasting live from our homes once again. Uh, want to talk about the movies uh, now and content in general. We've seen a huge shift uh, over the past five to ten years as to where we watch content, how it's being created. The Netflixes and Disney's and Amazon's uh, of the world are really driving a, a fundamental shift in how that all happens. Uh, interesting story uh, that we're following uh, now is that uh, AMC, which is one of the largest movie chain theaters uh, in uh, the world, uh, is uh, uh, been hit obviously very hard uh, by uh, the pandemic uh, and rumors that Amazon might potentially be looking at them. Uh, on the line, uh, we've uh, got a great guest. His name is Enrique Danz. He's the senior contributor in leadership and strategy for Forbes.com. Thanks for joining us, Enrique. My pleasure. So I found this fascinating. Amazon, uh, they have their Amazon Prime. Uh, they're a direct competitor to Netflix. They are, you know, spending, uh, you know, lots of money on producing their own uh, TV shows and especially now movies. How would this change that whole world if Amazon were to buy the biggest movie chain in the world? Well, it would be definitely a shakeout. I mean, what you what you can think is that whenever Amazon enters an industry as they are, Entering the the, the the movie industry, the movie production, and the content, the content, uh, the production industry, uh, they always want to start from the top. They want to come from the top. They don't want any limitations. And obviously, having a limitation like, for instance, the one that the Academy has, that you have to uh, show your 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 movie, you have to open your movie in a theater in order to to apply for uh, as a candidate for the Oscars, for instance, is a limitation that they definitely don't want to have. That's for sure. Is this uh, financially feasible for Amazon? Like, what what the what do you think the price tag would be for them to pick up something like AMC? 
yeah, it's it's feasible. I mean, if we check out the, the, the evolution of the shares, we can see that the, the, the company was definitely in a low. I mean, as soon as we started to know about the pandemic and about the, the problems with, I mean, the theaters being closed and everything, the company was not doing very well already the company i mean some some people said that the 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 company was uh, about to go bankrupt so uh, uh the, the shares were definitely in, in a in a moment in a very low moment so they can definitely think about taking over the company and even being seen amazon could be seen as a sort of white knight that comes to save the company before it goes it goes bankrupt is this a conflict of interest in any way having them own the theaters as well there's a there's a, an obvious conflict of interest and and uh, a few months ago we could talk about we could even talk about uh, about an operation like this being forbidden by law i mean originally it was not allowed for anyone in the in the movie industry to purchase the the uh, to purchase a chain of of uh, movie theaters because the the the, the, the antitrust authorities they, they they didn't want everything to be under the all the value chain to be controlled by one competitor what happens now what happens now is that precisely the the competition authorities have thought that maybe it's not such a good idea that the, the, the industry has been changing so much with so many new entrants with uh, all these uh, streaming companies etc that the, the is the, the right moment to open up and allow more innovation to come so that's when they decided to relax back in december I mean, as as as, uh, as recently as december that law was apparently uh, uh, lifted well, I mean, I, I think we're maybe seeing a precedent with that. I, I look at some of the broadcasters here in Canada, uh, or like the big um, telecoms and cable companies, they've mm-hmm. basically gobbled up all the, the TV channels uh, there. So they kind of own all of that already. That would be obviously a similar thing to Amazon buying the theaters. If they were to buy AMC, like where would that leave Netflix? Netflix would have a, an, a, an issue when it comes to opening up their, their uh, productions in, in movies and they would have to do things with a little bit more time, a little bit more ahead of time in order to, to give themselves time enough, I mean, uh, a, a deadline to open the, the, their productions in a movie, in a movie theater. And uh, the, the industry would probably look at them as a, a different type of competitor, a competitor that uses this window, the, the, the movie theaters, as a, as a way to, you know, say, feel the, fulfill the, the requirement, but that's pretty much it, versus Amazon, who would own the, the, the most important or, or the most important uh, uh, chain that where every studio opens their productions. I mean, that is like incredible power. I mean, if you're in Hollywood and basically you own the theaters, you own a huge streaming mm-hmm. uh, service. I mean, wouldn't every producer, director want to go right to Amazon? Because Amazon could basically guarantee how many theaters you're going to open up in and then also guarantee you know, a, a streaming deal for you as well. Absolutely, it's, it would be a fantastic, uh, a fantastic opportunity for Amazon to attract or retain talent. I mean, they could negotiate with, let's say, a, a very famous director, or like the some of the deals we've been seeing, like the deal that Netflix went with, uh, I mean, signed with the Obamas, for instance. That's that's a huge deal. Imagine that you can sweeten the deal in such a way that you would tell them, hey, 
if you produce with us, uh, you, we will give you the opportunity to open in all these theaters in all, all over the world, and then we will have Amazon Prime as a, as a, another opportunity to monetize your content. That would definitely sweeten every every deal and, and would allow them to to attract talent to to be a very a very uh, powerhouse when it comes to attract talent. Ricky, do you think anything related to the pandemic is going to actually uh, negatively affect this deal or? basically the the return of theaters in general um in i guess my question is will it be too late by the time they actually buy it that the theater amc for example could go bankrupt if not for the stock price soaring uh, on under these rumors but the, the the notion of people going together to see a movie together in a theater with social distancing and all the other things that are going to take a while at least to to dissipate a little bit um is that going to sort of take some of the bite off of this at all probably not i mean what i see is that i mean according to the price of the of the of the shares even if the shares are are increasing their price due to the rumors and uh, uh for amazon is is a it's a very small deal it's, it's a huge company that can buy whatever they want uh the other thing is that we are talking about a change a shift in in our preferences I and mean, imagine that amazon can use this deal for instance to also sweeten another deal which is what is amazon offering to the people who pay for amazon prime for their subscription service so okay in the beginning, we used to pay for Amazon for Amazon Prime because it would give us a flat rate in, in, in shipping. That was it. Now, if you subscribe to Amazon Prime, what do you have? You have music, you have contents, you have a, a whole bunch of things, books for free. Um, what happens if they can tell you, for instance, if you are an Amazon Prime member, you, get, you have discounts in uh, Whole Foods, for instance, or in all the, the different uh, physical stores that Amazon is, is, uh, is putting together, or even you can go to the movies, let's say, four times per, per month or something like that. Okay, that would be a service that would allow uh, Amazon to offer a more attra- even more attractive uh, Amazon Prime service. And Amazon Prime is one of the most important, as you can see, services for Amazon. Everyone signing up for, or most of the people signing up for Amazon Prime, they start to, to, uh, to spend more than twice. I mean, this is a huge deal. Imagine. So for Amazon, it might be a very interesting, a very interesting uh, uh, proposition. But as we as we uh, know this is just uh, just just a little piece of news that got opened in, in uh, the daily mail it's just a speculation so no one knows whether this is just a conversation and a company like amazon is having conversations all the time we no one knows whether this is going to happen actually or if this is just uh, a rumor just a rumor i wonder if this were to happen will this stifle creation artistry uh you know people making movies if you've got basically one big powerhouse that would really control the industry well it's a, it's a very good question because this is what we are seeing in in, in other in other industries that amazon is, is touching upon i mean if you think about distribution competing with amazon is becoming extremely hard very difficult I mean, for every um, uh, regional competitor, I mean, think about the difficulties that Walmart is having in the U.S. to compete with uh, with Amazon. Think about uh, mar- huge markets like India, where Am- where Walmart is is making huge acquisitions, trying to compete with Amazon. Think about uh, my country, Spain. We have a, a, a the, the historical leader, El Corte Inglés, really, really 
struggling to compete with with Amazon. So what would happen if Amazon starts to accumulate a lot of monopolistic power when it comes to attracting talent and producing shows? I mean, that would end up being a, a problem for the industry, obviously. It would be interesting just looking 10 years down the road, like like you said, everything that Amazon gets into, they come in from the top. You know, they uh, did that with the whole uh, foods uh, acquisition. Uh, you know, if they were to do this, you know, going after the largest movie chain in the world, I wonder if we'll get to a point where, you know, governments will look at them having to potentially break up because they just dominate so many different uh, industries. Well, that's actually happening. I mean, the, the antitrust authorities have realized that they were acting in a very, uh, you know, low-key approach. They were not being very... And, and if you compare, for instance, what was happening in the, with, the, with the antitrust authorities in the U.S. versus the, the European ones, the European ones were trying to compete to, to, uh, to regulate in a much more aggressive way. And many people were saying, yeah, this is because those competitors coming are coming from the U.S. and they are not European. Okay. But right now, there's a lot of chit-chat in, in, the, in the capital in, in the, with the regulators thinking that the power that these uh, big tech are accumulating is, is too high. And, and this is disrupting many industries and, and taking us to a moment when it's going to be impossible to compete with them because they are accumulating too much power or they are becoming dangerous, like what's happening with Facebook for instance, it's not just that they have too much power, it's that they use their power in a reckless way. And they, 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 they are not just disrupting their industry, they might end up disrupting, who knows, democracy at some point. We are talking with Enrique Danz. He is a senior contributor writing about leadership strategy over at Forbes. I encourage you to visit Forbes.com and check out his article. Uh, excellent uh, review of uh, the rumor that... Uh, Amazon could potentially be purchasing AMC, one of the largest theater chains in the world, and the ramifications behind that. Enrique, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, whenever you want. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. We are back, John and Mike here in studio. Let's talk internet speed. I think right now with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of us are noticing that the speeds aren't uh, what they were uh, before. Uh, well, some Australian uh, researchers have uh, actually uh, set the record for data transmission, 44 terabytes. On the line, we've got our good friend Peter Vogel. He's a physics teacher and tech writer. Thanks for joining us, uh, Peter. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, John. So I, I came across this story. Uh, the Australians uh, seem to want to have faster uh, internet. Uh, they've actually done uh, a test where they were able to get, I believe it was, uh, sorry, 44 terabits uh, per second, yes. not terabytes. What does this mean? Like, I think most people are going to be thinking, what what the heck is a terabit? Like, how can we relate sure. this to people? Well, we, we already have trouble getting a gigabit, uh, yes. shall we say, uh, here in the Vancouver area, uh, although we have uh, providers for it. Some of us will uh, know that we don't always get what uh, is claimed. So when we hear 44 terabits uh, per second, uh, we say, wow, hmm, is that the next big thing? Am I going to pay $100 for that next week? No, I don't think so. We're not going to see this uh, research uh, anytime soon. But it made for a good story, especially when it was uh, hooked with a 1,000 movies downloadable per second. And everyone's suddenly thinking, well, I can set up a Netflix from home. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm the next competitor here. 
But uh, it, it, as with all fundamental research, it's something that's going to see the light of day in uh, probably in corporate backbones, in the, uh, the backbone infrastructure of these telecoms. We know that um, global demand is growing 25% a year, roughly. And this year, of course, is an exception with perhaps, perhaps double uh, that. Um, and so there's always a demand for something more. But when we hear this story, we say, well, this is revolutionary. Certainly 44 terabits is, is in a league that we can't relate to as a home user. Um, are we going to see this deployed soon? Well, as I said, five years is the, the time frame given by these uh, researchers, and uh, they're quite happy to uh, see this actually work in, in a commercial test. They ran it in Melbourne, so in downtown Melbourne, Australia. They took a 75-kilometer loop of fiber, and they were able to ram the equivalent of 150 laser streams down that fiber. And it's that that they coalesced into one massive 44 terabit stream. The advantage of their uh, bit of work is that it cuts down on the number of lasers that are needed. So they have this uh, crystal, a soliton crystal it's called, uh, that can uh, take multiple laser streams from a single laser split it into multiple 150 200 feeds all individually controllable and that becomes uh, a, a huge saving uh, in uh, equipment from what i understand uh, they were able to do this over existing optical fiber lines that that's obviously important that's crucial. It, in other words, it was a real-world test over existing fiber. And typically, today with existing fiber, you know, you run uh, 100 or so streams maybe uh, with multiple colors, multiple frequencies, and so forth. This is a much more structured way of doing that and uh, ultimately a much cheaper way of doing it. Let's just talk about the speeds just, uh, you know, for the listeners. Uh, right now, I think a lot of us are, uh, for our internet speeds, are in the megabit category. I believe I get uh, yeah. 300 megabits. John, what do you get? Uh, just over 600. Oh, of course, right? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so 1,000 megabits would be one gigabit. And yes. from my understanding, 1,000 gigabits would be one terabit. Correct, Peter? Yeah. And so, uh, yes, yes, I'm in the 600, but typically might see four or 500. Uh, uh, and so even if I were to double that tomorrow to a gigabit, would I really notice a difference? No, it's also limited by the latency of the other end, the, 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 the site you're trying to access. The, the real story here is that this will allow uh, interconnectivity between the various providers to, to improve that backbone, as it were. I think that's the important piece that a lot of people don't think about because while I get over 600 megabits download, my upload is only about 20 megabits. And it's, right. it, I mean, I'm on Shaw and that's kind of how they're set up and TELUS is a little bit more synchronous as far as whatever you pay for, you yep. get it on up and down. Yep. Um, but that whole backbone thing, when I, I remember when I jumped from, I think I had 150 and I went to 600 when Shaw doubled and, and then further doubled it again. Yep. Um, I didn't really notice any difference on most of my day-to-day -day activities online. It's really just when you're doing something very specific, like downloading a video file, for example. So true. Yes, so true. And and, and, and people jump at the, the next offering from the providers and uh, expect to see uh, double whatever it is they're getting. And of course, that isn't true. It doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. 
No, I, I I had 150 for the longest time and then yeah, doubled it to 300. And you're right, John, I didn't really notice a difference uh, other than if I was downloading a, a video file. And I mean, you know, we have five members in my family here in the house. They're online gaming, Netflixing. Um, so uh, you're right. It just depends on what's happening on, on the other end. If the other end can't shoot stuff out that fast, it doesn't matter how fast of a download pipe uh, you you basically uh, have. Are the Australians leading this field? Are they the ones always pushing it, or is it uh, kind of a race I, I between? I don't think so. I think um, I think that this is a worldwide race. Um, there's certainly open research. The, these guys share this, and as with many things in um, in uh, primary research physics, it's a, it's a shared effort. Uh, it was published in Nature Communication, so it's a very prominent uh, publication that picked it up. So it's it's worth. Uh, the, the news coverage that it uh, received, even if it was slightly misunderstood. been talking with Peter Vogel. He is a physics teacher and tech writer and a frequent contributor to the show. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Thank you both. More Tech to Talk when we come back. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. With the COVID-19 pandemic, we are learning all kinds of uh, lessons when we come uh, to dealing with uh, uh, the virus, especially in the hospitals uh, and from a healthcare perspective. On the line, we've got our good friend, Brian Jackson. Uh, He is uh, with the Infotech Research Group, uh, and he's the research director in the CIO practice. I want to thank you for joining us, Brian. Glad to be here robots in hospitals we're seeing more and more of this uh, and starting off uh, I guess one aspect is just uh, cleaning and disinfecting uh, how are they making an impact there yeah they're making a big impact because uh, the problem with cleaning and disinfecting hospital rooms right now is that they could be contaminated with COVID-19 right now now normally uh you would think that there's all sorts of stuff in a hospital room that you wouldn't want to come in contact with so this technology has sort of been under development by a number of different companies but because of just how infectious COVID-19 has been uh, it sort of spurred them to try and experiment with this and put it into action more quickly and the robotics manufacturers that I'm talking to well they're they're seeing a lot of order a lot new uh, of new orders come in uh, from around the world, and especially in the earlier weeks of the pandemic, uh, China was a big proponent of using these robots to clean its hospital rooms. So um, within these robots, right, you have a couple of different models, and they clean differently. They have different cleansing techniques. So there's uh, one that sort of bursts out this UV light, a powerful sort of flash of light that irradiates all of the bacteria and viruses that are in that room. Um, And there's another one that has an ozone cloud. So it makes ozone gas, which is, um, you know, not breathable by humans. So you have to send it into a room. Uh, Everybody gets out, the robots in there, it just pushes out what looks like a cloud. Um, The mist fills up in the room and that kills everything that's in there. And then it sucks it all back in, and the room is restored. It's good, breathable air again, and uh, it's disinfected. So uh, a couple different models out there. You're kind of freaking me out, Brian, this uh, ozone gas (laughs) robot. I've I've seen a bunch of movies about this, and they didn't end well. (laughs) 
Right. Now you you want you don't want to be caught in a room. If you have you ever noticed you're in a, alone in a hospital and then you see a robot just starting to like exude gas from it, I would suggest leaving that room. And so are these a thing now? Like can you actually get these robots? Yeah, it's it's a thing and um there's a Danish company uh that is behind uh some of these robots, but there's manufacturers now different examples of them from around the world there's manufacturers in china uh, other areas in the u.s and um they're they're actually one bright spot of venture capital investment that's happening right now um of course with the the, the recession you know uh, bad times for the economy investors are, are typically wary um with their money but this is one area where they see growth and they see demand so uh you're seeing all sorts of robotics companies land these venture capital deals how are these better than humans? Like, don't we have mm-hmm. humans that are disinfecting now? Yeah, well, they're not better than humans, right? They just do a, a, a different job, and they can be tools that humans use um, in their settings so that they don't have to be put at risk. Um, and the way that these are usually delivered within a hospital setting, Mike, is not that um, doctors and uh, hospital staff have to interact with them and, and start using them. But the, this concept of telerobotics is really taking hold where there's there would be like a solution provider, like uh, you'd, you'd have a company that would be providing these robots to all sorts of different facilities in the area. And they are remotely operating that robot fr- from... Uh, tablets that they have from a command console that they have but for the most part the robot knows what to do on its own and that's the the amazing thing is that in you know after hours or when a room's empty or on a schedule right you could determine when and how that robot is doing its cleaning but it knows how to move around the hospital it goes into the room on its own it goes through the cycle uh, and then uh, it moves a- away. So the idea is that these robots aren't taking the time of hospital staff, that they're increasing the safety of hospital staff, and that they're not in the way. They're not disrupting the environment. I also understand they have uh, kind of gopher robots that can go get things for nurses and, and doctors as well. How do they work? Yeah, yeah, this is a newer idea and and in earlier development, even more so than these disinfectant robots, right? So this is a more advanced robot. I mean, the, the ones that we were just talking about, right, the disinfectant robots, they can be on wheels. And uh, you sort of see them um, have uh, drive into a room like a little dolly. And then uh, maybe they have some contraptions like a couple of arms or one mechanism that extends a light but uh pretty basic machines compared to uh these other helper robots that we're seeing uh there's a company called diligent robotics in the u.s and uh they're one of these companies that that are attracting venture capital Uh, a few weeks ago now they announced a seed round and uh yeah i mean they have a a robot that's almost like a humanoid type of figure and uh it can be sent by a nurse to go and fetch uh, something from a supply room. So the nurse is dealing with a patient. She says, oh, I need this tool. I need this medication. Uh, go, you know, she sends the robot to go get it. The robot can recognize it off the shelf in the supply room. It knows where the supply room is. It runs down the hallway. It picks it off the shelf and it brings it back to the nurse. Why not have more nurses? Right. Well, how do you want the nurses to be running around uh, getting supplies or do you want them spending the time with the patient, right? Like, sure. 
let's hire more nurses and then let's make sure those nurses can be with sick people as much as possible right and and you talk to nurses um these days i i don't know if you have any friends that are nurses but all they will tell you about is how much they have to run around the hospital it's a huge part of their job it can be exhausting for them to try and track down the supplies they need for the different patients they have to do these long walking uh circuitous routes around the hospitals which can be huge facilities so anything that can reduce their their exhaustion i think they would welcome and if they can send a robot to go to get the the damn uh sponge that they need to clean their patient with i I think that that's a great idea and it's it's untested right we're talking about technology that's in development it has to i think we have to see some pilot studies done with this there's going to be some leading edge hospitals that are willing to try this out in, in some specific pilot scenarios so you you know next time you go to the hospital you won't see humanoid robots running around uh fetching syringes but uh it's something that is coming down the pipes we are talking with brian jackson about uh, the future of robots in the hospitals coming to a hospital near you sometime in the future he is the research director in the cio practice over at the infotech research group it's all about the research right brian That's what I love, research. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with uh, AJ and John. We're going to reach into the Get Connected mailbag this week. We take any of your questions uh, up on our website. John, the address again? Uh, Getconnectedmedia.com. Very, very good. Okay, Uh, the first question comes from Wendy. And she asks, I'm interested in the iPhone SE. Is it possible to buy it without a package, just buy the phone? Well, that's uh, an excellent question. Back in the old days, uh, typically you you would buy uh, like a two or three year package with your carrier, but uh, that's really not the case anymore. You can actually buy uh, the phone directly from, uh, for example, the Apple Store. And that's probably one of the best deals uh, on iPhones right now. I think it's just $599. It might be worth noting too that you can also buy phones outright from your carrier as well. And sometimes there's even incentives for you to do that, uh, whether it be uh, like a payment plan type system that doesn't actually affect your plan. Or um, even if you go to say like a Walmart or a Best Buy, quite often they have deals uh, there will give you a gift card and that type of thing. But uh, it's going to vary depending on the location and the, and the outlet, but you definitely can buy the phone without a plan. I also feel like, you know, like it's one of those things where you're going to use a phone for the next couple of years. So maybe committing isn't that bad, you know? I mean, I know that we all have this fear of committing to our plans right now, but, you know, a lot of times they do subsidize these phones with that commitment. And you don't, I don't know how many people, how often people actually switch their carrier. It's a good question. Uh, You know, the only reason I think nowadays is uh, if some, radical new cheaper plan comes out i don't think that happens <laughs> that uh, often but it's a good yeah. point aj um sometimes on some models uh, they do have an incentive and, and like you said john uh sometimes they offer gift cards like 100 or 150 bucks so uh you, you just have to do the math like the iphone se it's 600 bucks it's 5.99 and so if a carrier is offering it over a two-year plan um, just see how much extra that plan is and uh, see if that uh, equals out to the $600. And if it's cheaper, then, hey, you got a good deal. That's all the time we have left. Don't forget to visit our website at getconnectedmedia.com. We're giving away prizes constantly if you subscribe to our newsletter. 
This week, uh, I believe it's the Belkin wireless charger. So if you've got any new smartphone, typically they have wireless charging. This is a great little uh, prize. I want to thank AJ and John uh, for helping out on the show here. We'll see you again next time.